Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. First post-game, talk it out, cook breakfast while you listen and think about football edition. Yes, I want to hear what did you cook for breakfast because I've only eaten breakfast once since January with this intermittent fasting thing. So you guys telling me what you make for breakfast on these Sunday mornings is going to help me get through until 11 a.m. or noon when I'm allowed to eat. So by all means, hit me up on Twitter at Andy underscore Staples. Let me know what you're fixing for breakfast while you were listening to this because that was my favorite part of these shows from last year. Now, I bring in a special guest, a guy you're going to hear a lot from over the next few weeks because he is the man who is going to handle our ACC podcast, and that is Mr. Andy Bitter. Andy, what's up? Not much. It's nice to have college football back, even if the the team I'm covering is not playing right now. The, The team you're covering, by the way, Virginia Tech, was originally supposed to play, well, we won't even get into originally. But at one point, they were going to play NC State this weekend. That got moved to the 26th. Then they're supposed to play Virginia next week, and now they're not doing that. So they will play eventually. It just it's 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 going to ha- it's it's a, it's a process. They will open with the Wolfpack on the 26th, right? Uh, maybe we'll maybe. see. Uh, you know, you're talking about the two programs that have most recently had shutdowns in the ACC because of COVID-19. So, you know, we'll see. Neither of these teams have taken the field yet this year. And, uh, you know, I'd like to hope that things will be better in two weeks here, but you look at some of the projections and some of the things that people are talking about and you go, I don't know. We'll see. That's this whole season. We'll see. I have to feel like every week you're going to be on the edge of your seat, whether it's going to happen or not. Well, a lot of football did happen on Saturday, and it felt like the first real college football Saturday of the year. There, there obviously was a college football Saturday last week, but a very limited slate of games. A lot of Power 5 on Power 5 action in this slate of games, and I was just at one. I am currently in Tallahassee, Florida. I was at Doak Campbell Stadium. I just watched Georgia Tech beat Florida State, which if you'd asked me – what the least likely result of week one in the ACC would be, I'd say Georgia Tech beating Florida. Well, maybe I'd say Wake Forest beating Clemson. But close second would have been Georgia Tech beating Florida State. All of the demons of Florida State, Willie Taggart era, showed up. Four starting offensive linemen went down during the game. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech starts Jeff Sims, a quarterback who had committed to play for Willie Taggart at Florida State, and who flipped after Mike Norvell was hired, and it was one of those deals where, you know, he Norvell was bringing in some of his guys, and Jeff Sims wanted to look elsewhere. Jeff Sims winds up at Georgia Tech. Sure enough, he winds up at Doe Campbell Stadium, just like he planned all along, wearing the other uniform and beating the Seminoles. Pretty nuts game. I, I mean, I was watching on TV, and... You know, you're watching the game and, and Florida State's winning, but they keep blocking field goals and extra points. And you're like, Georgia Tech should be winning this game by a lot more than it's even happening right now. It's kind of amazing. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's more of an indictment of where Florida State is as Mike Norvell takes over this program, or if it's more you, you kind of tip your cap to what Jeff Collins is doing in year two at Georgia Tech. Uh, I mean, I watched those Yellow Jackets last year and, you know, talk about year zero in a program when you're transitioning 
out of the option offense and you have to I mean they didn't have a quarterback last year the guy they had playing quarterback was it was an option type guy that that was brought in there for that reason this year it seems like they have a quarterback I mean you look at the stats I mean 277 passing yards for Georgia Tech when's the last time that happened I think I think I saw somebody tweet it was like 2005 or something like that well and and Uh, they they looked like they planned it that way they they look they looked like they were running the offense that they were all recruited to run which Last year didn't look like that. Last year you could see, oh, this this quarterback was clearly recruited to run the flex bone, and oh, this guy got moved from here when they when they switched out of the option. This guy got moved from here. This looked like an offense that was recruited to, and I, I think that's a good job by by Patnow, the offensive coordinator, Dave Patnow, and and all the the coaches and the players just getting that together. I I talked to Pat Swilling after the game. You know, great former great Georgia Tech player, great NFL player for a long time. His son, Trey, is a defensive back on this team, a senior, and he's seen this entire transition go down. And he said, people don't understand how hard that transition is. It should take three, four years. And they looked like they knew what they were doing. Now, you can say, oh, you know, maybe it was Florida State, but Florida State's defense is good. And they made Florida State's defense – not look bad. I, I thought Florida's defense played well, but they they moved the ball when they needed to. They did miss some kicks. You mentioned that. Jeff Collins said after the game that that was one of the drills that he changed because of COVID, because he felt like it was 11 on 11, too many players too close together for too long of a time, so they didn't do a lot of live extra point field goal kicking. And he said he will he will change that starting a practice next week i'll say this i covered a bit what felt like a very similar game there a couple years ago i was at that game willie taggart's first game and we came out of that and we're going oh virginia tech is back look at they shut this offense down so i will i will not heap too much praise on georgia tech uh for what it did in this game because i've seen florida state sort of lay an egg in a situation like that but for a team that was I mean, it was unanimously picked last in the ACC. I think that's one that, you know, people do their 1 through 15 this year, and they put Clemson 1 and Georgia Tech at 15 and then kind of work the middle to figure out everything else. I mean, that's a great start to 2020, to already have uh, maybe as many wins as a lot of people thought they might have in the in the entire season uh, in the ACC. And, you know, you tip your cap to them. I, I don't know if it's going to continue, but to start off like this, I mean, that's a, a tremendous win to start the season. Well, and they've been recruiting well, and, and it seems like, you know, they obviously Jeff Collins is very good at branding, and we, we've written stories about all that. We've written stories about the way they've recruited, but you can't do that forever. You can't sell hope forever. You you have to sell results at some point, and now they have at least one result this season to sell. And I would venture that because you know, you're right, offensively, Florida State looked just like they did last year. A lot of the same problems reared their head, especially as offensive linemen started to drop. And there was a a series right at the end there where Florida State had a fourth and three. And if they get the first down, they're probably in good shape to at least kick a field goal and maybe go to overtime or maybe even score and win the game. False start on the right tackle. Fourth and eight. They don't get it. And and it's ball game. And I just I, I do think I will say having covered both the first Willie Taggart game and the first Mike Norvell game, Florida State seemed a little more organized. It just seemed like their personnel, especially on off- on the offensive line, 
is not where it needs to be. It's it, the, the first five offensive linemen, if they're in the game, they got a shot. As soon as somebody starts going down, you you got a problem. And then the other the other issue is uh, Josh Kando, their defensive end, goes down on what looked like a cheap block. I had a a coach text me and said that should carry a stiffer penalty than targeting the 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 dive at the guy's knee blocking. And and it got called, but I mean we don't know how seriously Josh Kando's hurt, but he could be could be out for a while, and and it shouldn't have happened that way. I got a question for you. Are, are we ever going to know how good of a quarterback James Blackman is? Nope. I, it feels I, like I, he's played behind just yeah. like cruel offensive. What they're doing to him year after year after year is cruel, putting him behind that offensive line where he just, uh, you know, I don't think Georgia Tech was an overwhelming defense, but they it seemed like they were on him all every single snap tonight, all night, and so he just didn't have, he didn't have a prayer back there. When they were playing to the script early in the game, before the lightning delay, when they marched it down the field, he looked poised. He was catching the ball. He was getting rid of it quickly. Some of this was on the line. Some of this was also on James Blackman. There was one interception he threw where he, I mean, he's actually pretty mobile in the pocket and did a good job of evading pressure. And he, he had about six seconds to throw. But the problem is, if you've had six seconds to throw and nobody's open, don't throw it. <laughs> eat, eat it. Run it. Do something else or throw it over the sideline, but don't don't throw it in the field of play. And he threw it right to a Georgia Tech defender. So some of it is is on Blackman himself, but I, I agree with you. I don't think we're ever going to get to see what he really can be because he's not going to get to play behind the kind of offensive line that, say, like Jameis Winston got to play behind. Yeah, it, it it's strange. And then just sort of the revolving coordinators with him, too. You wonder how much that affects uh... – a quarterback like that, they can't settle into one system over time and just learn it like that. I mean, next I'm looking at the schedule. Next game for Florida State up on the schedule in two weeks is at Miami. Uh, that should be an interesting one. Well, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we we saw a tale of two quarterbacks right yeah. now and and how they're playing. We saw Miami the other night and they looked like they have taken to that offense. Now that's against UAB, but the way they ran the ball, they looked pretty good. They're going to have a stiffer challenge running in the ball against Florida State, but I don't know if they get that rolling. Florida State's going to have trouble because Florida State has too many short drives, too many uh, negative plays. It's just you can't do that, especially against a team like Miami. If if this if this is going to be their offense and that's what what it's going to look like, they're going to be able to just roll on you on the ground and eat clock, and you, you just don't want to you do not want to deal with that. Now is the time to celebrate because football is back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of this weekend's action with over $8 million up for grabs across all of their contests. To kick off the season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit when you use code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, during sign-up. Get in on the action now. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with the DraftKings lineup. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar top prize. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about a cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use code MAYS, M-A-Y-S, 
And for a limited time, new users can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize and compete for over $8 million in prizes across all contests. Don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter the code MAZE to get a free shot at the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code MAZE, M-A-Y-S, like Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show, only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Let's move along a little bit. Uh, We'll stay in the ACC, though. ACC conference game in South Bend, Indiana. A real, honest-to-God conference game at Notre Dame. Notre Dame-Duke, what'd you think? I I think I think I saw something where they had like painted the logo, the ACC logo in Backward. the wrong spot on the field. <laughs> they had to, they had to switch it up. You know, they're new to this whole thing. Uh, I watched a little bit of that game. Uh, it did. You know, it, I think the weather uh, factored in a, a big deal with this offense. It didn't look like you know Notre Dame necessarily had everything going offensively, but eventually uh, got things going there. I was impressed by that running back that Notre Dame had. It seems like Kyron uh, Williams, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it seems like Notre Dame's not had a standout running back for a while, at least in my memory. I, I think I've read some stuff about how they've struggled to, to find like a go-to guy in that spot. That guy looked uh, very explosive every time he got the ball. He got the ball a little bit in the receiving game too. Uh, some big plays there. Uh, you know, solid win. I mean, I, I don't think you come away from that and go, oh, they beat Duke by 14 at home. And like, oh, that was an overwhelming performance by a top 10 team. But, uh, you know, handle business at home. Uh, you know, you know, fended off what, you know, Duke was in it there for a while. Fended off what could have been an upset bid there and, and pulled away so it wasn't too much drama at the end. But a nice win for Notre Dame, I'd say. Uh, you know, and uh, Brian Kelly is the winningest coach in ACC history from winning percentage standpoint, correct? One and oh, 1,000. That's even it's better than Dabo Sweeney right now. It's tough to beat. It, it is It is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, it, this conference race still feels like Clemson and everybody else. And, and I don't think Notre Dame did anything really to disabuse us of that notion today. But I am fascinated by how this is going to go because we've seen the issues with NC State, with Virginia Tech, with Virginia you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to play when. But when it's on the field, it looks it looks like football. And that's something I wasn't particularly sure about after the first few weeks of games. I mean, like Navy-BYU was so weird because one team had been hitting in practice and the other one hadn't. And then you just other games felt kind of weird. But it did feel a little bit to me Saturday, and I don't know, I don't know about you, Andy, and you tell me. Like, once you kind of got locked in on a game, it just felt like you were watching a football game. You weren't thinking about all the other stuff. It did, a little bit. I'd say it would still pan to the crowd, and you'd be like... Yeah, the crowd shots sort of take you out of it a little bit. (laughs) Just very strange. Like, is this a spring game? What am I watching here? And I I think overall, and I don't know if this is just because it's been so long since I've seen a college football game, it felt like the play was a little more sloppy than you would expect in a week one type situation or openers for these teams. I mean, you, there's week one's usually pretty sloppy, it's, but yeah, it's, it's usually is... pretty sloppy, but it, it seemed like it was more so this week when I was watching some of these games, I was watching Syracuse, North Carolina uh, earlier. And I'm like, usually you'd expect these two teams to be going up and down the field. It was like seven to three in the third quarter or something like that. 
uh, just kind of some ugly football there. And then, of course, you know, I flip on Clemson later in the night and they zip down the field 93 yards in like four plays. And I'm like, okay, this, so somebody knows how to execute and go out there and look really good. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. It does. Uh, it it does kind of suck you in when you forget about everything that's going on around it, and all of a sudden, uh, Georgia Tech and Florida State are tied in the fourth quarter, and you have a really good back and forth game going. Uh, it, it was nice. It was a nice little escape from everything that's going on. You know, d- dealing with that Virginia Tech Virginia postponement story all throughout the morning. I was just tired of it. I wanted to put it in my rearview mirror and just watch some football and enjoy it. And we got to do that today. And we also learned a lesson. If you're a Big 12 team, do not schedule a team from the Sun Belt. The Fun Belt is very dangerous. You, you saw Louisiana Lafayette go in to Ames and, I mean, I think kind of manhandled Iowa State. It, that, that game, it was close for most of the game, but it felt like Louisiana Lafayette, they want to be called Louisiana. I have a hard time just calling them Louisiana. But the Ragin' Cajuns did feel like they physically dominated up front against the Cyclones. And that, you know, given what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State and and what his background is on the offensive line, and that usually they're better than this. But I will say Billy Napier knew he had a good team going into this season. And they've been through some adversity. DJ Looney, their offensive line coach, passed away August 1st, and they've dedicated the season to him. That had to feel good for them to, to go into Ames and get that win. Especially this year when, you know, all the Power Five conferences are, you know, coming down hard on on the group of five schools and say, well, we're not going to travel anywhere. You all have to come to us this year. I mean, that's normally the case, but they're not usually so explicit about having to do that. Uh, So, you know, a lot of these group of five schools are probably wondering how their season's going to proceed or how they're going to pay for a lot of stuff. And then they go up there uh, and, and win in a game like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be disappointing for Iowa State. I mean, high hopes uh, ranked coming into the season uh, to lose like that at home by, by 17. But, uh, you know, you, you credit Louisiana. I mean, you're, like you said, they went in there and they took it to them. Uh, you know, it wasn't like a fluky win or anything like that. Oh, it no, was, that not was a, at all. That was, a, that was a result that was like, oh, yeah, they, they were the better team by far in that game. Well, and, and the other fun belt over the Big 12 game was Arkansas State going into Kansas State and winning. That's one of those, okay, what do you think, Andy, and, and you're going to have to deal with this as a beat writer in a few weeks, I, I think, because doesn't NC State play before Virginia Tech? I believe NC State plays Wake Forest next week. Okay, so assuming they play, they will have a game under their belts. Arkansas State lost to a very good Memphis team, which, by the way, will not be playing next week because they're having their own COVID issues now. But Arkansas State lost to Memphis last week. They go to Manhattan on Saturday, and win a game. Lane Hatcher, who had had been at Alabama as a walk-on, transferred to to Arkansas State, throws the game-winning touchdown, I think, with 17 seconds to go. But they looked good the whole time and just, I mean, a huge win for for Blake Anderson and that program. And, you know, we talk about what Louisiana Lafayette's been through. Uh, They've been through a ton at Arkansas State. Blake Anderson lost his wife to cancer last year. So, I mean, this is a huge win in that program, too. But how much do you think having a game under your belt in this year means when you're playing somebody who hasn't played yet? Oh, I, I think quite a bit. Uh, you know, you always hear every year coaches bemoaning the fact that, you know, they don't get a preseason game like the NFL does or anything like that. And like, oh, we've only been hitting each other in practice. Well, in a lot of cases, they haven't even been hitting each other in practice. So, you know, having lost the spring ball for most of these guys, 
uh, delays or uh, starts and stops in preseason practice. Uh, yeah, I, I think getting out there and having played a game and getting used to uh, being on a field and hitting somebody else is, is a pretty big advantage this year just because uh, you lose so much of that in the offseason. So uh, I would guess that the fans are not going to care about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> They're not going to put too much stock be and feel, be, be too sympathetic to, oh, poor you, you didn't get to play a game before you went out there. But, uh, you know, I, I think it does affect it a little bit. But uh, in a season like this, uh, you know, you can't fall back on that and be like, oh, that that's a major disadvantage. You have to somehow get around that. I, I'm curious if some teams that have not played now maybe alter their practice plans ahead of it, maybe try to get more physical, uh, do some more hitting in a week leading up to a game just so, you know, they don't go out there and they, they lay an egg. Like Nobody wants to be like Navy in that first no. game and, where they and, just looked lost and didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, yeah. it's a tough thing to simulate when you're just doing practice. Well, Ken Niamatololo said the, the, t- the era of touch football is over. He, he said right after that game they were going to do something different. So, and, you, and, and Jeff Collins tonight said the same thing about that about the extra point field goal drill. He said they're just going to do it because they feel like that's not been an issue in terms of, of spreading anything. So they don't want to hurt their chances to win the game when it's not really going to make a difference either way. So they're just going to do it. And so I, I think that's there's a lot of that, a lot of trial and error that's going on with a lot of these teams. And it, it is amazing because it does feel like you have an advantage if you've played. Like Georgia Tech will now go and play UCF. So if you'd asked me, and I think we did this on the podcast, I, I think me and Nicole talked about this on Wednesday, the games where we thought a group of five team could beat a power five team. And I had Louisiana Lafayette and Iowa State as one of those possibilities. I did not have Arkansas State, Kansas State. But the other one that seems like a, a possibility and, and probably where the group of five team will be favored is UCF Georgia Tech next week. But Georgia Tech has played a game and UCF will have not. And so now I'm rethinking that. That does seem like a step up in Florida competition that Georgia Tech's going to be playing, though. I mean, they, they're, they're it playing against It is weird to say it. that, isn't it? <laughs> it is a little bit strange. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think I still would like UCF on that. I, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Georgia Tech than just one game against Florida State. Like, my perception of Florida State has colored so much from that game two years ago because I you know I did come out of that game going man Virginia Tech's gonna be pretty good this year and as it turned out that was the worst Virginia Tech team in in 25 years uh so I'm trying not to overreact to week one I know that's what we do that's what we're paid to do right is to overreact to everything uh in week one but uh I think I would still like UCF in that game I'd be curious to see what the line on that's going to be do you think we're better about that this year because I I agree with you on that the overreacting to week one I I We'll never forget being at, at Notre Dame, Texas in 2016, and my friend Anwar Richardson, who I used to work with at the, at the Tampa Tribune, had just gotten a job covering Texas for Orange Bloods, and Texas wins that game, and we're in the Mac Brown press, or, or, sorry, the uh, the Charlie Strong press conference after the game, and I said, well, at least you're not going to have to cover a coaching search this year. Well, <laughs> one loss to Kansas later, he was covering a coaching search. So, I mean, we we do tend to overreact to these things. But it doesn't feel like there was a result this time that requires an overreaction. There, there's well, not, 
I mean, there's maybe- just fewer. They're just fewer matchups like that. I think. Yeah. I mean, you don't have the SEC playing yet. You, you don't have the Big Twelve playing yet. Obviously, no Big Ten and, and Pac twelve. So it's just a bunch of ACC teams playing against each other in of these well, games. I mean, I, I guess between we can Power say, Five schools. Yeah, I guess we can say that Iowa State's going to have a bad year now, which I don't necessarily think is true. They've still got Brock Purdy. I think they probably still have a decent year in the Big Twelve. This was not the greatest way to start it, but I'm not ready to to bail on them. Yet, so I think you're right. There, there's no real, just completely overboard overreaction to make from this week. Now, there was a story off the field. Well, a couple stories. One involving the conference you cover, and we'll get to that in a second. But another one involving another conference that's been in the news a little bit lately. The Big Ten, their steering committee, which is a group of, of presidents and some other people, heard from their return to play committee, which includes athletic directors, presidents, coaches, medical professionals, a lot of people, and liked what they heard. So now the Council of Presidents, all of the Big Ten presidents, are going to hear a presentation on Sunday about potentially returning to play, about some protocols that would allow the league to potentially return to play with games sometime in October, maybe. Did you think a couple weeks ago that they'd ever get here. I'm not sure what I would have thought about the big 10. Uh, I think maybe if Jim Delaney were still the commissioner, that the, the resolve would have been a little bit stronger once a decision was made, not to backtrack on anything or people to challenge him in the first place. But, you know, with a brand new commissioner like that, and it feels like, uh, you know, it feels like uh, high school students testing a substitute teacher, that's out there, like seeing what they can get away with and all these coaches, you know, being defiant and putting out statements and stuff like that. It, now, it feels now I'm just picturing Ryan Day and Scott Frost shooting spitballs through a straw. Yeah, they're just sitting in the back of the class, just like talking throughout and, and making sarcastic comments. I, I, I feel like there's just been a little bit of that, that, uh, you know, these uh, people are testing things to see what they can then change in this. And uh, it just, it's been unusual for uh, the conference like the Big Ten, which has sort of been... Uh, you know, not to steal their uh, their divisional names from a while ago, a leader in, in college athletics. Uh, it certainly has not acted like this in this whole thing. But, uh, you know, I can kind of sympathize with a lot of Big Ten fans where they're looking around the country and they're seeing every other school play. It's got to be and, so frustrating. And they're like, what the heck? Why do, why do we bail so early on this? I, I, I tweeted it today. I was kind of shocked that, like, you know, with the, the troubles that the ACC's had with some of the stuff and some of the postponements you've had in the early September, like, has the SEC handled this the best by putting uh, so a, a late the Big September Ten people start? The craziest. If the SEC actually made the best choice, it would make the Big Ten people nuts. Yeah, it, like, I'm I'm not convinced that the SEC is not going to have these problems itself well, in a couple weeks. I think everybody who I mean, plays, including the Big Ten, which is now considering playing, I think everybody's going to have it. Yeah, I I just think of of the conferences out there for like somehow the the one football crazy conference that everybody's like oh they will do anything under their power to play this and and be unreasonable and forge ahead is the one that maybe took the most reasonable approach and didn't cancel right away at the first sign of any trouble and didn't try to push forward in early September right after Labor Day which you know you're probably gonna have some problems with that and students coming back uh, I feel it, like it, it was the almost, right I feel like it was the right approach it's almost as if they planned it that way because they did. They did. They said there will be a spike when the students come back on campus. There will be a spike after Labor Day. So let's push past that. Let's also push past the NFL starting play so we can watch them play football games and not us and let them be the guinea pigs. 
perhaps these commissioners could have gotten together and talked about this <laughs> and put together some sort of unified plan that, that uh, would know, talks amazing, these things Andy. out. That would have been amazing. But it, so I at first was was convinced that there was no way the Big Ten could get back to playing in enough time to hook in with the other leagues and, and maybe be eligible for the college football playoff. I've changed my mind on that. I, I give Ari Wasserman and Nicole Auerbach credit for, for changing my mind on that because I look at it now, if they can get started mid-October or even the 24th or maybe even Halloween, if you go 7-8 game schedule with no off weeks, there's a good chance that you're synced up enough, that, that you have enough of a sample size. And we don't know, again, how many games the ACC teams are going to play? How many games the Big 12 teams are going to play? How many games the SEC teams are going to play because of all the uncertainty? So if everybody gets it about eight games in minimum, I'm probably okay with that. Yeah, I think my one concern there would be that you're probably going to expect some postponements or cancellations involved even on the Big Ten schedule. And if you are if you start at seven or eight and you miss one or two and all of a sudden you've got a six-game schedule and you're going to compare that to somebody who's played 11 – or 10 uh, from the other leagues, that's starting to get to be a, a pretty big disparity there. It, I don't know how you could do an apples-to-apples comparison of those two types but of schedules. Let's be honest, so I, I hope it happens. Really do one. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, listen, I hope it happens. I hope they can go, get all back on the same page and there'd be like a legitimate college football playoff that includes all of them. But uh, I, I do still have uh, some skepticism that they can make it happen. Time to talk about one of my favorite treats, chicken ribs. That's right, chicken ribs. It's chicken made to eat like a pork rib. Specially cut thigh, one bone left running through it. You eat it off the bone like a rib. It's smothered in pork rub, but 75% less calories and fat. It's great. They come vacuum-packed straight from the smokehouse. You thaw them out. You throw them in your air fryer or on your grill for a few minutes. Maybe kiss it with a little barbecue sauce after that. Give it another minute or two. Let it get that glaze going, that candy paint, and then you eat it up. It is tremendous. Great barbecue takes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy. Fully cooked from the smokehouse. Chicken ribs are authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com and use the code ANDY to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. That's chickenribs.com. Code Andy for $10 off plus two-day shipping. We'll be right back to the show, but first we've got to talk about Home Field Apparel. That is the most comfortable shirt you ever wore with the coolest old-school logo from your favorite school. Indiana fan, Mississippi State fan, Purdue fan, Colorado School of Mine fans. They got you covered. And right now, if you're a Syracuse fan, get yourself to homefieldapparel.com. So much auto, the orange merchandise. It's brand new. It's so cool. The best logos, not the corporate stuff you can get now that's boring and approved by a bunch of focus groups. No, this is the good stuff that came out in the 40s and the 50s and the 70s and the 80s. We skipped the 60s. I don't know why, but no. They, these are logos from throughout the history of your school and they are so much cooler than anything else you can get now. And Homefield Apparel puts it on the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts that you will ever find in your life. So show some school spirit for your favorite team or for your alma mater. 
Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. College football is back, baby. That's homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. So the other news that came out involving this sort of thing was the ACC's plan, and it added some specifics that a lot of people have been wondering about with every league. Now, the Big 12 has has said that basically you need to have a 53-man roster, so basically as many people as an NFL team available to play a game. But the ACC got real specific. You had to, you have to have seven offensive linemen at least. Uh, if less than eight teams can can keep playing, then you bag it on the season. If the SEC or the Big 12 stop playing, then then you can stop playing. That that document was interesting to me because we've been wanting to see because all the leagues have this, but nobody's really told us exactly how it works. This is as specific as it's gotten. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's just the leagues telling us about it. I think it's telling the coaches about it. I mean, I remember last week Justin Fuente saying he has no idea what the, the requirements are. And he's, he's sitting there, he was almost pleading with us, uh, you know, pleading through the media to the ACC, release some of this stuff. Tell us what, what's going to be required, what, what numbers you have to hit, and that's an automatic cancellation or, or what uh, would meet a certain requirement and you postpone a game or something like that. So... Uh, you know, I don't understand quite why these schools are being so secretive about, or the, these conferences are being so secretive about this. It's nice to have a little transparency with this stuff uh, lately. You, you'd uh, think they'd have learned from the Big Ten at this point. Exactly. That if you're cagey about stuff, people will just pressure you until you have to release it. I mean, in they, the Big Ten's case, people sued them and forced them to release it. Listen, you don't want Tom Mars all over oh. you uh, with a FOIA request here. Tom Mars likes his name in the headlines and he will use the FOIA request to uh, his advantage to keep it like that. He's coming after you, John Swafford, if you don't release that. That's exactly right. Well, and, and in the Big Ten, it was the, the Nebraska players who sued that, that got the vote released, the, the numbers on the vote, and the fact that there was a vote because nobody could be honest about that even. So, it, yeah, just tell everybody what's going on. Tell people the truth. It's not that hard. And I realize everybody's trying to cover their asses, but just tell people the truth. It's much easier than lying. You don't have to make anything up. Do you think Larry Scott comes out of this like, hey, I'm not so bad now, am I? Like, we had a unified front. I, I think he's we, probably said that 10 or so times because you're right. The Pac-12 has been very unified throughout this, and and they were as the most transparent. They said, here's our medical document. Feel free to read it. You can see exactly why we decided to postpone when we did exactly what the issues were would you like to talk to one of our doctors he'll tell you all about it here's ray anderson he's the ad at arizona state he agrees with me too look at this yeah no you're exactly right they, he did handle it the best unfortunately our, our friend john wilner from the bay area news group uncovered those emails where all those presidents are uh looking for a quote-unquote consultant and from reading the emails it sure feels like they're trying to hire a consultant who will say my consultancy's idea is that you hire me as your new commissioner. Yeah, I, I don't think one uh, unified message on the cancellation undoes. Uh, I don't know how long Larry Scott has been the commissioner of the conference, but they've had issues before this. So I, I don't think he necessarily has wiped the slate clean with uh, all the all the members. Yeah, it's, it's a solid there. decade of, of <laughs> stuff that you know has gone on the con side of the ledger. So yeah, he he's got a lot of work to do still to to stay there. But 
he has handled this very well. And that's not something you can say for every conference commissioner in this case. But, Andy, the Big Ten Council presidents is going to hear this presentation on Sunday. We don't know if they're going to vote on Sunday or if they're going to vote you know, Monday, Tuesday. It, it, it kind of depends, I think, on how much they want to talk about it. And hopefully Kevin Warren, the, the commissioner, has learned don't don't take the vote until you know what's going to happen after the vote. And I don't mean don't take the vote until it's unanimous one way or the other. You're not a you're not a jury. You're not, you know, trying to convict or acquit a criminal somebody in a criminal trial. But know what the vote's going to be, know who the dissenting people are, know how hard they're going to fight or if they're going to fight at all. And if you can Make sure the dissenters are going to be quiet after the vote gets done because you can't have another m- set of months of people just ripping you from within your conference. Well, I'll say this, uh, you know, God help him if he doesn't. Because <laughs> I can't imagine what going through this again after people get their hopes up that there's going to be football uh, in October in Big Ten country. Uh, if you get their hopes up like this and then all of a sudden just yank the rug out from under them again and have for the same sort of uh, you know mixed message explanation for this whole thing and you've got different ADs spouting off about – or presidents and ADs and coaches spouting off about uh, how they want to play so bad, uh, that would be a very rocky way to begin your tenure as the commissioner. It's already gotten off to about as rocky of a start as you can get, but uh, it, I would not make it worse in this situation. That, that, I've been thinking about this all day. Andy, and this is so I keep going back and forth on this because part of me says there's no way they even let out the fact that there's going to be a vote if they don't think they're going to play. And then part of me goes, well, I heard that Rutgers president the other day and I've heard some of the other people talk and they seem really dug in. So I don't know what's going to happen here. And I think you're right. If they if they were to somehow vote not to play, which seems inconceivable at this point because the league has essentially leaked out that it's going to happen. It's inconceivable that they would vote not to play, but if it did, oh my Lord, you think people are mad now? They would be so mad. Yeah, it's, uh, and I, you know, I question if, if they can pass. I mean, you mentioned the Rutgers, but it, you know, isn't, didn't Wisconsin recently shut they things paused, down? And then, Michigan, and then you Michigan got, State's had problems. Michigan uh, and Michigan State both run by guys who work in infectious disease. That was their career before they right. became university administrators. Uh, and also yeah. the Michigan Michigan State, basically the, the county that Michigan State's in, has told every Michigan State student to isolate because they got, yeah. a, they got an issue there. Yeah, I mean, you've got those schools. I, I don't feel like Northwestern is going to be hell or high water, have to play football this fall. Yeah, you, you expect Maryland. Nebraska and Ohio State and, and schools like that. But uh, I feel like there's going to be a number of dissenting votes. I mean, if it passes, it's going to be like 8 to 6 or something like that. It has to be it? 9 to 5. It has to be at least okay, 9, nine to five. 5. Okay. So now, again, common sense tells me you don't get this far down the road. You don't get that news out there. Unless you're really sure you've got nine votes, I just don't see. I don't see how you would let that out and and even breathe a word of it unless you felt like you had the votes. Is this like an engagement? You don't ask unless you know the answer is going to be yes. You have to do that legwork before you get to that point. It's like an engagement at a 
Major League Baseball game or an NBA <laughs> game, you would damn well better know she's going to say yes or don't ask. Could they put this on the Jumbotron? Could we see the votes on the Jumbotron? Andy, this uh, is on the Jumbotron. This is big, on the Jumbotron of life. This, this, they, I think they need to televise this on the Big Ten Network. If they really want to get ratings on the Big Ten Network, I mean, oh boy, put this you, vote you've up seen, there. You've seen the Jumbotron when she's not entirely sure she wants to say yes. You've seen that, right? I have. Sometimes they, like, plant those now. Like, that's the part that, like, but the you know, real, they, they do it and they, the like, they the slap them in the face. And, yeah, the first few were real. And you... You're about my age. You've seen the answering machine scene in Swingers, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. It is as uncomfortable as the answering machine scene in Swingers. I don't think anything's as uncomfortable as the answering machine scene in Swingers. It's not that's you. A that, that's it's a me. brutal four minutes of just like you're just you know, biting your knuckles going, oh, my gosh, Mikey. <laughs> you you got to get past this, Mikey. The kids these days who use cell phones and send text messages, will never understand what it was like with answering machines. We'll never understand what something like that. I guess that's like sending 200 unanswered texts in a row, which is equally creepy and weird. But it's just not the same. It's not the same level of awkward. They'll never understand that. They'll never understand the brief renaissance of swing music in the, the 90s, you know. Gotta explain gonna, it to these. Gotta explain it to these youngins. How we're gonna let to the be. squirrel nut zippers play us out tonight. The cherry popping daddies. Andy Bitter, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking about the first big Saturday of Power Five college football. This season is happening. It's happening awkwardly. Not quite as awkwardly as the answering machine scene in Swingers, but it's awkward. But there are moments when it's just football. That's kind of cool. I enjoyed it. Anytime you have me, I'll, I'll be glad to talk. Hopefully, I'll be able to cover some actual football here in a couple weeks. But well, uh, you better you have a new podcast. My, my weekends You're talking are ACC every week. My weekends are wide open right now uh, with the way Virginia Tech's going. All right, Andy Bitter, thank you so much, and we will talk to you again maybe Tuesday, but maybe before if there's a uh, if there's a vote in the Big Ten. We'll talk about the result of it. Talk to you then.